how Rich got his mojo back. All right, Rich. Go from underneath. Okay, here we are. Our fourth podcast. Pod- podcast. I say podcast. Our fourth. <laughs> A fourth podcast. <laughs> Great and story. we have a little bit of different uh, format today. Uh, we're still doing the beer of the week. Uh, that's that's a fan favorite, except for one person, but I'm not going to mention his <laughs> name. And uh, But then we're going to answer a lot of questions. We had a couple of people that sent some questions uh, to us, and there was one in particular that I thought was uh, very, very good. So uh, we'll probably spend most of our time uh, talking about that. And we also have the tool of the week. And do we have a gripe of the week? Yes, we do have a gripe of the week. I forgot. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's get the ball rolling. So uh, let's introduce the beer of the week. Yeah. So beer of the week. That's me this week. Got a little something here. Mm. I don't know what you guys are going to think about this. So this is Raspberry Blush by McKellar. And if you're into beer, you may know who McKellar is. Kind of like a vagabond brewer. I think he's from um, one of those Scandinavian countries. I don't know which one. but Anyway, you know, he came to the U.S. and he would brew at different breweries. So this was, uh, I guess he has his own brewery now in San Diego. McKellar Brewing. Shows how out of the Hmm. loop I am. But this is a, a Berliner Weiss with raspberries and coffee. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to taste it. Yeah. Berliner Weiss is usually like a little bit sour, I think. So it might be a little sour. Hmm. Oh, you could definitely taste the raspberry. Hmm. I could taste the coffee. I tried to get something for Rich that wasn't so bitter. So you could try a weird beer that wasn't bitter. Raspberries and coffee. It almost yeah. tastes like a soda. That's a weird yeah. taste. Yeah, soda beers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's troublingly easy to drink. Yeah, only four percent. Oh wow, I taste a coffee now. Yeah, four percent alcohol. It's good, but we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. I do want to say um, it was nice to get a bunch of questions because I think that's sort of the direction that we'd really like to go is to get a lot of questions every week and be able to answer the questions that way, you know, we can sort of get a conversation going back and forth, but I uh, want to hand it over to Rob for Tool of the Week. All right, we're going to start early. So, uh, Tool of the Week is my bar, one and a half inch framing chisel. A um, little bit about why I got this tool. I... Grew up in Brooklyn and had these wild dreams of uh, moving to New England and uh, being like a a backwoodsman. So in uh, early 2000, I signed up for this timber framing class up in uh, Bowdoinum, Maine. And the class was essentially about, um, I think it was about 10 days where they taught you to cut timber frame joints and essentially that small crew of students built someone's house and and at the end of the class uh, you raise this physical frame um now this guy because you've told us this story before this guy had a real racket going oh yeah because what he does is he has all these students come in they do the work and he's collecting the check yes he's actually charging a client 
for a timber frame for their house. And, and a lot of these clients are kind of like do-it-yourselfers trying to do it on a budget. So they'll get this frame built, and then they'll do the infill, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be straw bale or something like that on their own. Um, because, you know, all the craft and the work is in putting up that frame and actually raising it. Um, so I'd never heard of, uh, you know, any most of these tools that were needed. It came, this class tuition came with a little tiny pamphlet, about three or four pages. It said, these are the tools you should probably show up with. Had a, a plane, uh, you know, I have this big, nice, sterret 18-inch square that I got for it. And in it, it also said, you're going to need an inch and a half and a two-inch framing chisel. And he listed bar and there's a cool little stamp there it says b-a-r bar there's a little sign of a bear and so i contacted bar i always thought that was his last name but it's his first name bar corton he's in idaho and this chisel's been one of my favorite tools ever since i mean i used it for that timber frame before i had um like uh, chisel planes and things like that or you know, you could use it just about anywhere you would, uh, you know, you can fit it. It's inch and a half. Mm-hmm. It's always really sharp. And it just, it feels so great in your hands. And that's, that's kind of why I like it. It's a nice chisel. Yeah. The handle's a little bit shorter because, you know, I've smashed it quite a bit because usually you break this thing out and you're, you're smacking it pretty hard. Um, so let me just, I, I wrote some things down about Bob because... Uh, I think it's worth noting he's uh, he's been making these tools and and iron working since 1977 and um, back in 85 he actually had a chance to apprentice with a genuine Japanese swordsmith um, and if anybody knows you know tool making metalworking they know uh, that the Japanese do it very very well and this is all hand forged that means he heats it up and smacks it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. It's not drop forged. Um, uh, benefit of hand forging is it uh, creates some more carbon, and the carbon is what helps cut. So it holds a, a really good edge. And um, the other thing I could say about his tools, he sharpens them and sends them out. It's mm-hmm. it's ready to rock and roll when you get that chisel. Uh, and you, he'll he'll service them too, not for free, but you know you can send them back, and he'll make that thing razor sharp again. And uh, came with this little heavy duty sheath. Nice. So there you go. Yeah, I remember I went on the bar website obviously because I've seen yours, and I've seen another couple guys uh, on online use them. Uh, when I was looking for new chisels, I took a look. The price is pretty fair too. It's, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was like 150 bucks for this chisel, and you know, it's a lifetime it's a lifetime tool. Yeah, that's got the steel of you know four or five <laughs> yeah. big chisels, three yeah, quarter inch yeah. chisels. Yeah, I like you know the shape of this. Yeah, it's blade. It's got this little swoop here down to the to the bevel. Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It it does sort of seem like a hybridization between a Western chisel and a Japanese chisel. Yeah, it's a it's a just a, a fun tool to own. Even the handle does kind of look Asian, doesn't it? it has yeah. that Japanese. The Japanese use a lot of the. There's a name for it, a specific type of white oak, uh, which that looks like white oak or beech. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So if you have any questions about it, uh, I encourage you to look up Bar B A R R. I think he calls it Bar Specialty Tools. Check him out. You think does he make hammers and stuff too? I think he's broadened out, you mm-hmm. know, to quite a few things. So yeah, very cool. Thanks a lot. What we got next? Oh well, we come to uh, the petty gripe of the week, and <laughs> this time it's not uh, it's the not man to my left, or it's the man gripe. to my further left. I'm a pretty good griper gripe. myself. <laughs> so, a good uh, bit of griping. take it away, Jeff. So, I'm sure you've all seen the advertisement on Instagram or Facebook, the Veritas Mini Square. How many is it? This Jeff? is an inch and a half. <laughs> By inch and a half, we'll call it speed square. I can't for the life of me think of a situation where I would want to use this particular square. Just seems ridiculous to me. What if you were building a dollhouse and you were making a staircase? Yeah, I have a... (laughs) Not a combination square, but a... um, What the hell do you call that kind of square? What, the adjustable? Yeah, a... Um, T-square? No, you know. Bevel square? Not a combo square, but a... doesn't have a 45. Oh, you mean that little thing you carry in your pocket? Yeah, we all have one. Yeah, it's that thing with jig. What the hell is that called? I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It's on words. the tip of my tongue. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Lee Valley Veritas has a commercial where this guy, Vic Tesselin, says, this is the most versatile tool in my shop. A one and a half inch square? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see the versatility because I have a, you know, a regular, the Veritas Precision Square is a great square. It's a, like a mini framing square. I think we showed it on the second or third episode. Yeah, we use um, them. Yeah, that's a great square. This, I don't see the point. Speed square, we have one over here. It's plastic. It's used for marking <laughs> crap, rough lumber. You want to drop it on the ground or... Write or, on it with a crayon yeah, or a magic You can throw it across the shop if you want. <laughs> Inch and a half aluminum square, I don't see the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that six-inch plastic is about the perfect thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, a speed square for me is for framing. It's not a, a woodworking tool. Um, it's not even a finished carpentry tool. When I was a finished carpenter, we used combo squares or tri-squares. Um, I, I don't understand the marking of 45. I couldn't tell you the last time I had to mark a 45 and, and cut yeah. to it or something. I don't know. Um, uh, what do you think of the, the gradations for the other degree angles? Yeah, and even on the <laughs> Lee Valley website, it says, yeah, these uh, um, graduations for angles aren't very accurate. And then why are they on there? Because it's too tiny. You know, it's, it's this big. Yeah. They got these little tiny. It's like <laughs> so my buddy Kevin was kind of ribbing me yesterday, telling me I, you know, joking around saying I should buy one because we talked about it before. But yeah. no, no way I'm buying it. Stupid invention. I don't like it. If you have one, write us and tell us what you're using it for. Yeah, tell yeah, me. And send pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at 10 bucks, okay, maybe it's for the novelty, novelty yeah. you sit it on the wall, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> what about you, Rich? No, I have no need for it. Listen, I, I don't use a square, so. I, I'm the king of small and miniature tools around That's here. That's right. You, I thought you would like uh, and those, you like those small. I, I can't see a use for it. It's it's a little bit like a toy almost. Yeah. yeah. For marking small pieces, I think is kind of what they're marketing it as. But 
can mark sco- small yeah. pieces with an 18 inch um yeah and and i you know i love that little four inch adjustable yeah square yeah well i won't show it because maybe we'll talk about it another time but veritas has a really nice sliding marking tool that we oh yeah that yes. one <laughs> we all have yeah to we use. all have one now yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. believe I still can't think of what that type of square is called. Well, we, we got 45 minimum minutes. What is this called? <laughs> Why can't I think of the name? That's not a sliding T-bevel? No, it's not a T-bevel. T-square, square. I mean? No. It's a T. It has a name. To a T. That's not combo square, but uh, Gee, something don't, else. Don't we look intelligent, don't we? Ay, ay, ay. It's going to kill me. Not a T-square? No, it's not a T-square. T-square is like for, uh, you know, T-square goes like this, like a T. Isn't that a T? Yeah, that looks like a T. I don't know. Let's see how fast the internet connection is here. When I find out what the name is, it's going to kill me because... Yeah. See, Rich and I, we're old enough to we just don't care. Exactly. I look at we, it like this. We forget stuff all it's the time. Square. It's square. Double square. A double square. I knew that. Yeah, see, we've, double square. we've forgotten more than that. That's yeah. true. Yeah, if you're in the market for a double square, these uh, PEC, which is, stands for uh, Products Precision? Engineering yeah. Corporation, I think, you get these blemished on eBay for like 20 bucks. This is probably about an $80 that's square. That's uh Yeah, that's what this is. It just has a little, little scratch on it. So you get about an eighty dollars square for twenty twenty five bucks made in the USA. Um, I'd say just one small step below Starrett. So yeah, yeah, because we have some Starrett stuff in here. Yeah, um, to compare it to Starrett tape measures, which are actually not made um, by Starrett. Really, they're made in China in a factory. Yeah. But but we got we have Starrett. Uh, Is that squares. C word again? The C word, yes. Yeah, China. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. <laughs> Just some of the tools aren't that great. <laughs> well, you did that survey. You looked at that. The, what is the, the most trusted brands coming out of countries and who's the most trusted uh, country oh, to, yeah. to do something? And the top of the list was uh, Germany. Yeah, it was like yeah. the most revered um, made in the fill in the blank yeah. uh, countries were Germany, Switzerland, uh, USA was what was about fifteen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Italy was up towards the yeah, top. Yeah, I think too, it was yeah. only the top twenty, but. Um, yeah. And China wasn't on there. No. <laughs> Japan was was pretty high on yes, the list. Yeah, Japan yeah. was. Yeah. You know, it's all about quality control. Um, most factories operate the same because it's it's a very, um, you know, there's a recipe on how to make something, and as long as there's someone saying this is how you make it and making sure that it's made that way, well, then it could be made. Really, anywhere. Right. It's it's not the Chinese people. It's, no, or the no. yeah. It's the company that's setting up shop in China, and right. they're setting the standards. Mm-hmm. Where that company is Chinese, American, Swiss, it doesn't matter. They tell the the folks at the Chinese factory, here are the parameters we right. want you to build. To. Make it like this. Right. Here's the price point. So I'm glad we got that straight. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. All crap. <laughs> I'm a little angry today, so if I, uh, if I start ranting and raving, ice cream sandwiches, but, yeah. you know. if I start ranting and raving, uh, I just wanted to let you know that my meds came in late <laughs> yesterday, so I didn't really get to take it, take it a chance to take them. So I'm a little. We'll touch on that. Later. I'm a little on edge. <laughs> Jeff, why don't you read the first viewer question of the week? Yeah, sure. So 
Uh, we got this question in yesterday. Really good question. This is from um, gentleman Al Head Woodwork. Uh, sorry, Al Head Wood Co. And he's I think he's uh, close to us in New Jersey. So he asks, pricing projects is something I struggle with, as I'm sure others do. Is there a specific formula you guys like to use when it comes to uh, sending out quotes? I feel I often underbid a project on labor just to get the project to build my portfolio, experience, and land a little money to reinvest in the shop. It's obvious that people have certain, usually unrealistic, prices in mind most of the time. Thoughts? Also, something to keep in mind would be the hobbyist versus pro, as I know requirements are different. So thanks for the question. Who wants to take it first? Okay. A customer having unrealistic price in their head? No way. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, this is a very, very interesting uh, question. And I think it depends on your state of, not your state of mind, but your state of your company and what you're looking, what you're willing to give up as opposed to achieve. Uh, most companies, uh, if, you, if you're already a company, you basically have a value that you have on what you do and so you don't want to lower that value but on the other hand if you're trying to survive i can see where people or uh, or shops start taking jobs on that they don't want to have just to keep the lights on so it's a very very tough thing to do uh, because of my wife's fat pension i can <laughs> afford to just turn down jobs and i, I could be picky but if I was raising four kids and I needed to keep my uh, family fed, yeah, I would start looking at jobs and saying, okay, I can bite the bullet on this one and I'll build it for less. And, and I, actually, I have done that uh, in the past. But I can see where that, that comes into play. Let me ask you a question, Rich. Now, if people, if shops start engaging in that sort of behavior, doesn't that drive the price down for everybody? Sure it does. Sure it does. I know a shop, and I'm not going to mention the name, where his see, attitude see, see. is, he was once asked a question at this Woodworking Guild show. He goes, out of 10 jobs that you bid on, how many jobs do you expect to get? And he waved his hand, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> like all, tippy 10, toes. <laughs> all 10 of them. Now, that's really unrealistic, because if you can get 10 jobs out of 10 bids, then your pricing is way, way lower than what you should be uh, selling for. But that's his attitude. And Well, unless the product is total crap. Yeah, and he gets away with it. But he doesn't push the product as being crap. He pushes that being right. custom made. There goes that word again. The other C word. Custom. 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 Yeah. But it's, it's very... If I, if I had this as a, a hobby, I would probably make some kind of... Uh, changes and say yeah i'll take this job on just to build my a portfolio like the gentleman from owlhead woodwork wood company says uh just to get that picture together and so i can add it to my uh, portfolio and and show different clients and all that but if you keep taking on those jobs your word of mouth is going to be from that customer you just got ripped off from and they're going to say yeah go to this guy he's cheap he'll do it for cheap and when do you ever recover from that? It's, yeah, sometimes it's never. Tough. It's very tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, that's when guys start looking for guys that start out with the best intentions, and they can't get paid enough for their product. That's when they start 
cutting corners because right. you've locked yourself into this sort of price bracket that says, okay, he, he does it for this amount. Well, how can I get it done for that amount and still make money? So they say, well, I'll just cut a little bit here, cut a little bit there, and you can really dig yourself into a hole. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the biggest thing with this question is hobbyist versus pro. There's a big difference because as a hobbyist, you get into it as a hobby. It's something you do because you like to do it. It's fun. You like to learn about whatever your hobby is. Um, So any chance you can get to build something and break even or even just cover, you know, offset some of the material cost. Well, that's a plus because you're getting to do your hobby for less than it would cost you otherwise. Exactly. If you want to build, uh, I know um, this guy, he, he's built like some uh, Maloof chairs and stuff. We couldn't build a Maloof chair because there's no way we're going to get 20 grand for a chair because it's going to cost us 20 grand to make it. Um, we're not Sam Maloof's company or uh, whoever the other guy is. Um, so, yeah, as a hobbyist, you can sort of make these decisions to to either make very little or even lose money and it doesn't hurt you but you know we have to keep the lights on we have to keep jobs coming in the door pay ourselves pay the bills we don't have a choice but feed to the dog stick to our guns yeah <laughs> well it, just one quick question and this is probably good for rob to answer uh we kind of bypass this one thing you really wanted to know is there a spe- specific formula we use uh, uh, yeah. to send out quotes and i'll oh, let yeah. rob touch on that yeah um, well, definitely. And it's, it's really the simplest formula there is. It's time and materials. Um, now, this is where estimating is, is, comes into being as its own separate skill set, uh, you know, learning to estimate a job. Um, so and what we do is we draw the job up first. Um, somebody comes to us, oh, yeah, we want a bedroom set. We want a bedroom, two night tables, and a seven-drawer chest. This is what I want it to look like. So we bust out SketchUp, or we're, we're working into Fusion 360, and we'll get a 3D model, working model of what this proposal is going to be. Now, from this drawing, we can extrapolate all the materials we're going to need. We, we've been around enough to know, and we can have a little calculator. It says, all right, we need X board foot of this material, that material. This is the hardware. And we put it straight onto a simple spreadsheet. That adds up our material costs. We put the tax on there, and this is exactly what we show the client. We don't mark it up. We just, there might be, like, it might be rounded up a little bit so that we can... Uh, just add in the time it takes us to handle and receive all the materials because that could be a day or two and get rid of know. all the packaging. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work actually. Um, and now comes the trickier part, which is the labor. Um, in the pro shop, we have a salary, so that is what we're going to call our cost. Rich's, mine, and Jeff's salary for the week. That if we can do it in a week, we know our cost. Now, how much can we make above that basic cost? Because now we got to keep the lights on. Um, we have liability insurance. <laughs> yeah. Have all of your QuickBooks and all the other subscriptions yeah. that we need to keep the business running. Yeah, because that cost is just our our take home pay for our homes. Right. Um, doesn't account for things that we're going to use in the shop or Tool anything like that. Um, you know, God forbid uh, we lose a piece of machinery. Right. Because um, it happens. And oh, then yeah. 
three, four, five thousand dollars later. <laughs> how many Sanders? How, how many Sanders have we lost in the last uh, in the last couple of months? Yeah, yeah. We're down to uh, what four yeah. festival Sanders? Yeah, yeah. And we bought, we bought a new one. Yeah. And I think we had five or six before that. Yeah, we yes. had six. So we're down three. Yeah. Um, somebody was blamed for breaking all those. Well, I mean, they, in fairness, they were, one was almost 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and it, they get used here a lot. So, oh, yeah. Um, sometimes they're running all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's, you know, to just wrap that question up, we got time and materials. So the time is how this is where your experience you know, has to play a part. How long should it take us? How long will it really take us? And when you add those numbers up, can we sell the job for that amount of money? Because that's really going to come into being. And it's, it's always a discussion because the fixed costs are the fixed costs. So we come up with the materials. Here's this kitchen job. All right, it's going to cost us $6,000 to buy all the material for the kitchen. That's pretty typical, five to 6000 mm-hmm. out of our pocket. Now we know, just looking at the picture, all right, the size of this kitchen, any kitchen is probably going to be four to six weeks. Where is this job going to fall in that? What are the details? How many drawer boxes compared to doors? How, you know, what are the small little things that are going to add a week or subtract a week? We make our best guess and we come up with the number. All right. Wow, that comes out to $55,000. Does that look like a $55,000 job? Can we sell this job for 55? Do they sound like a $55,000 client? Right. What are we what's our bottom number that we can still feel comfortable and not be, you know, making some Faustian bargain to get this job because as Rich alluded to, we said most of our clients are old clients. Like when we do a job we fully expect we're going to do more jobs for those people. That's because, you know, we're proud of the work we do. And that's a basic truth for us. Yes. So if we, you know, just knock a price down on the first job to get our foot in the door, what's going to happen when we try and price that job realistically the next time? Right. I yeah, mean, and there's nowhere to hide it because it's all itemized. We send out an itemized breakdown of cost to every client. Yeah, include. We're going to spend this much time milling, this much time fabricating, this many days installing, this much time doing this, that, and the other. Um, so it's not just a number on a piece of paper. And I think that helps explain. You know, we show up to a client's home with a proposal. It's full 3D presentations that you can navigate through the, the whole thing to scale, full breakdown costs and um, you know labor materials. We write up exactly what we're gonna do. So there's, there's no surprises anywhere. Yeah, it's a very labor-intensive process to prepare these proposals. So what we've begun doing is actually really vetting Yes. All of the clients. Yeah, tell, that, tell them about that. That's a yeah, so great thing. We have, um, it's on the website now before it was just on, on uh, our Google Drive. So it's a Google Doc. Uh, has some questions about um, timeline, style, rough measurements, um, specific functions of the piece, budget, most importantly. Um, so when we get a call from a client, got one today, I said, yeah, head over to the website, fill this out. And uh, I'll take a look at it. We'll give you a call. That's how we, you know, get our information, compile it, and start the process. So we look at it. I won't get into specifics, but the, I mean, the budget is so low that we couldn't even buy the material for the job. So rather than take all the time, it's very important to have the budget conversation first. 
because we could have invested. I mean, days. you're talking a full days, days. yeah for something simple like this, probably an entire day for a preliminary design, breakdown of cost, scope of work letter. Then that money's gone. Yeah. We're not doing the job because we can't do it for that price. And right. it's so low that they're not going to, even if we come back with the real price, it's, it's so astronomically different from what they think it's going to cost that there's no way it's, I mean, that's yeah. time wasted. Yeah. How many bids have we written before this, you know, before we started doing this, that just went out and I'm yeah. talking weeks of time wasted over the last right. year. Right. Because, you know, we're always looking to put our best foot forward. So we would never just send out some sort of off the cuff number. Yeah. Oh, that's a $12,500 job. We, you know, we pride ourselves on our design work, especially, and that's what separates us. So we would send out, you know, the whole thing that we spent two, three days working on, and then the price would be five times what the client's budget was. Um, so Jeff came up with that idea to, to vet the clients first in a, in a polite way. You know, yeah, we're yeah. not, um, you know, we're not being pretentious or anything like that. Just. It, we couldn't afford to stay in business, the three of us, if we had to spend all the time that we that it takes to to prepare a full proposal for every inquiry. Yeah, because we're owner operators. We're the ones doing everything. We're designing yeah. it, building it, finishing it, installing it. So anytime that we're spending on the computer doing a proposal, well, we're not in the shop building something. And um, we'll touch on it later, but it's very important that you have some time outside of work. So we can't, you know work ourselves to death and there's one other little thing here should we is that part of his question about people's uh unrealistic at usually unrealistic uh idea of what it should cost yeah i think we've 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 talked about that that, um it's just we yeah everyone knows that that is reality unfortunately yeah um and you know every job we do we're educating one more person on what it really costs to build something. Well, so. My quick question to you, Rob, do you think that the hobbyist is hurting the professional? Um, well, th- there is a, I mean, a, a hobbyist is typically, you know, they're not concerned with cost at all. Um, you're doing it for the love of it. So you're able to spend, let's say, 500 hours making something, uh, you know, one piece of furniture where you know, we could never afford to do that. You know, there's there are certain compromises that we mm-hmm. have to make as far as time and materials just to make it feasible. Um, I I would say they don't hurt, you know, because that's a one off. The, the thing that the hobbyists can't do really is produce work quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, so a hobbyist isn't going to make a set of kitchen cabinets. Um, probably not even a bedroom set because it would take them a long time. Um, typically they're doing something else nine to five. So unless somebody is going to wait a year and a half for a bedroom set for, you know, less money, I would say no. It, in, in fact, it may elevate people's tastes a bit because mm-hmm. hobbyists are making some of the best stuff out there. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, I give example that gentleman from Owlhead. Yeah. Uh, full I on saw, I saw his pictures. They had very, very good um, quality work. Yeah. So it, oh, yeah. It's, it's a different thing. Yeah. I mean, we had a client reach out looking for a, um, what was it? A uh, sort of like a, not a console, a buffet maybe. Yeah. Um, and it was a picture from someone else. And I saw the watermark. So I went on the guy's website. This beautiful cherry piece, you know, uh, sort of um, mid-century style. 
Seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, we we had a little heart attacks. <laughs> I'll take two. Yeah, yeah. take ten. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it it uh, it puts unfair, um, not unfair, but it puts unrealistic expectations, expectations in people's minds yeah. sometimes yeah. when they see a price from someone that you know they're not doing this to feed their family. They're doing yeah. it, you know, because they enjoy it, and we enjoy it too. But well, yeah. I, I also think that the hobbyist doesn't really know how to price out their work too. You know, they really don't. Yeah. They don't know the the whole. They don't know the fixed costs you have, the uh, the hidden costs that you have to take care of, and well, the value on the time is a big thing. They, yeah, they're going to say, "Well, I do this because yeah, I, I love could, it." Yeah, I could yeah. spend my weekend though at nights doing this but while I could be doing something else. How much but, do they get paid at their nine to five? That's the value yeah, exactly. of your yeah. time. I mean, we or do they have a nice fat pension? Well, yeah. I mean, some people married into it. Like, yeah, must be nice. Thank you, dear. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a nice, concise answer is if you're having uh, a struggle pricing your jobs, come up with a spreadsheet. Uh, if you want, hit me up. I'll send send you ours. It's fine. Yeah, it's easy. Um, find out what you want per hour. Plug in the numbers, and it'll spit out a price. Massage it if you have to. We, yeah. you know, we do it all the time. So that'll give you a good starting point and you work from there, whether you can get a little bit more or you have to get a little bit less because either, you know, you're slow or, or you really yeah. just want to get the job. Um, so I, I would start there with and a spreadsheet. If you want to get started estimating hours for your work, start with something like days or a half a day. Yeah. Don't get too caught up in, well, this is going to take me an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're a hobbyist, you can, um, underestimate and be okay we have yeah. to <laughs> yeah we're in trouble we either have to get it done or bite the or you know <laughs> what junior doesn't eat <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we'll go on to one that's a little bit lighter yeah this is from our buddy frank carpenter one three on instagram out in san diego uh he hey, asks, frank <laughs> frank's a good guy what is your next big tool purchase i have a combo in mind a part floor model drill press with a kegerator on the bottom. <laughs> no, I think the mine would be a drill press. I always wanted to have a nice floor model uh, drill press, not a bench top. Uh, it's small enough to fit in the shop. You can put it on wheels and move it around. Right now we have a uh, bench top model, which is in the corner of the shop, and it's somewhat of a pain in the rear end. It's right next uh, to, to your to. bench. Yeah, exactly. your bench is kind of like overgrown out. Yeah, exactly. When people come over to bother me or use the drill press, they kind of annoy me. Get the some, other thing get is, chips I like to be bench. alone. All those chips that come off, the, yeah, you know, we just leave them right there. So, but I, I, I think it's a good tool to have. Uh, you don't use it that much, but you know what? You'd be surprised. Yeah. You will use it It gets lot. used every yeah. day, I bet. Oh, yeah. That's what I would get. I'd get a drill press. I like that answer. I'd and say I don't... companies out there that want to sponsor us <laughs> and... Send us one of your tools so we can test it out. Give us give us a shout. Yeah, Powermatic, Laguna, uh, yeah, whoever. I'm sorry, you <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I don't think we're making any any large <laughs> tool purchases anytime soon. Uh, what was the last thing we got, big tool-wise? Probably the saw stop. We have yeah. a, a uh, three, three horsepower, is it five? I think it's three. It's the... It's the yeah, three horsepower, industrial... Um, with the f- saw stop with, with the, the, cross, the sliding cross cut. Uh, so that was our last big tool purchase back the one in. You can't cut your finger off. Yeah, maybe March. Um, but if I had, if I was able to just pick something, 
I think what would serve us best is a lime boring machine. Um, doing a doing a kitchen, you know, there's a lot of shelf holes, and we actually we put less holes than most people. <laughs> yeah. So we use it's kind of like a 30, a 32 millimeter spacing, but we'll skip every other, so it's more like a 64. Um, so it's they're whatever. It's probably yeah. um, we don't run it a, from top to bottom. No, either. two and a quarter inches, and only about uh, the middle eight inches get shelf pin holes we put sleeves in them so they don't get worn out by the pins it looks nice uh but it's a lot of work because we're drilling them all by hand so a line boring machine you take out every other bit and use that so i think that would be a big time saver yeah it's a little a little large for our shop but there are some small ones yeah i could see that actually wedging its way in here one day um well i'm going last and mine's a biggie my know. dream my dream is a bobcat with forks. Does that count? <laughs> large machine. Large machine. What's, what, what's the question? A big no, no, tool? tool? Big tool. tool. That's a tool. That's a tool. You, you pick know another. what? You are a tool. <laughs> I could just see. I mean, inside the shop tool. Oh, I'm going to park it inside at night. <laughs> right now, the shop, it's probably about 300 feet from the street. Um. Right. Yeah. At least maybe two fifty. Why don't yeah. you go pace it off right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a good two fifty to the street. And now, the the trucks that deliver all the really heavy stuff sometimes are over the road semis. Even those those big stake beds they mm-hmm. can't get back here. So you know, when we built the confessionals, we got almost eight hundred board feet of white oak. <laughs> yeah, no, it was more than that. Oh, well, there was eight hundred a five quarter. Yeah, alone. Yeah, um, so we have to take it off the truck by hand. We put it at the time we would put it into the back of my pickup truck because it had the eight foot bed, and we take like two, three trips back here to our actual wood shed and offload it all by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, plywood, same thing. We we'll take it out by hands. Um, we got those. 20 sheets, you know, and we'll put it out on some saw horses and then just carry them back here. My dream, of course, is to have something, you know, not quite a forklift because it's a little bit rough, the terrain between here and the street. It's a one-trick pony, too, Yeah, forklift. Yeah, so we got that bobcat with the nice big all-terrain wheels, a shovel, and forks out front. Oh, man. Well, uh, you won't be able to fit through with the plywood going lengthwise. It had to go. You know, no, the gate's feet. ten feet. Is it? Yeah, yeah, right through. What about six? You're paying for gas because you'll be here all weekend driving don't doing donuts <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> That's it. That's get, my tool. You better get a helmet. Yeah, no, I made it this far without a helmet. Well, actually, the the one that counted, I was wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah, so that was a good one. Thank you, Frank. Carpenter one three. One of you guys want to read the next one from uh, okay. our buddy Tom McGuire, another Jersey guy, I think. I'll read this question because I really don't have an answer for this one. <laughs> have any he recommendations for LEDs in cabinets that turn on when you open the door? Get a flashlight. <laughs> All right, listen, Tom, I got the answer for you. I actually looked it up. It's on Rockler. Um, uh, Rockler. Yeah. That's the, another gripe. Yeah. You're a Rockler Pro, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a yeah, Rockler a Pro. pro. Um, they have these little clip-on 
fixtures that mm. clip right onto the hinge. You put a little battery in there so there's no wiring. So you have two. And they're kind of like miniature versions of those spotlights you might wear on your hat or something like that. They're cheap, so they're inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could probably interchange those words. I think it was like six bucks for four of them. If you're a pro, though, you get them for five ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. They shave that extra penny off. So when sign you're up, a pro. Um, yeah, sign up. Get those emails. So there you go, Tom McGuire. Look it up, Rockler, and uh, become a pro. Yeah. And uh, you get uh, what five percent uh, off on your purchase? No, no, I don't think you get anything off, but you do get a couple to, of cents. You get the pro pricing. You, yeah, you get to call yourself the Rockler yep. Pro. Well, that's worth something. Yeah, I mean, there are contact switches. Maybe yeah. you want to touch on that. I was going to say, I've uh, as a trim carpenter put a lot of them in closet and pantry doors. You know, it's a little plate with a pressure, you know, a little button. When the door's closed and it depresses the button, lights turn off. When you open the door, it turns on. Uh, so there's probably something similar for cabinets, I'd have to assume. Oh, yeah. Uh, for cabinet lighting, we use ATX LED. They're down in Austin, Texas. Uh, really good low voltage, all uh, DC um, low voltage lighting. So they're even making bath fans now. Oh, yeah. And now you can tell them what you want. Yeah, they'll, they'll do map a full, it out yeah, for you. full lighting plan. Uh, we use them for the confessionals, four-inch cans, dimmers. Uh, I mean, really nice stuff. <laughs> yeah, nice it, people. Really, really nice people. It was like a luxury hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and they're wafers. You know, they're super thin. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a couple of choices there, Tom. They're they're out there. Yeah. Now let me read the last question, or is it no? There's Second another. There's another question. All right. You mentioned about not working with designers or architects very much. How are you getting most of your work? Word of mouth, any advertising? Jordan Hawbaker wants to know. Thank you, Jordan. Go ahead, Jeff. You want to take it? Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. We don't really work with designers. We don't really work with architects. Um, we'd love to have the opportunity. Um, just doesn't seem to ever work out in our favor. Uh, we put a lot of bids out, but um, don't seem to get very many calls back um, because of pricing, I'm assuming. Um but the way we get most of our work is definitely word of mouth, um, old clients either coming back, which well, that's repeat business, I guess, not word of mouth, but uh, old clients telling friends and family about us. And the other one would be um, Instagram, honestly. Yeah, social media. Is a huge driver of leads. Not always quality leads, but definitely a lot of leads. Um, you know, so I try and invest a decent amount of time in Instagram and putting up good pictures and interacting with people um and advertising wise here and there i'll throw up a a you know a, a sponsored post not a sponsored like a boosted post on instagram 50 bucks or something but they haven't really turned any results so i'd say just put in the sweat equity um try and grow your social media seems to be a good driver of business yeah, I think that's the only thing right now that helps you uh, get business is social media. Yeah. What about uh, flyers? <laughs> well, I'm working on something right now. You know how the old guys used to stand out in the corners with the little uh, thing they used to they wear? They call over? that a sandwich board. A sandwich board. Well, Rob's going to be out there on Route 36 uh, starting next week. Honk. Honk when you see yeah, me. Yeah, honk when you see him. <laughs> and you'll Being get like a, a free... Foam, uh, a foam tree costume. <laughs> Tree of life. No, it's, it's not. Be the man dresses a foam tree of life. 
you'll have a lot of birds on top of you. It's okay. We it's love not, the birds. It's not that we don't want to work with designers or architects. I don't think designers want to work with us uh, per se because I think we offer a little bit of a challenge. Not a challenge, I would but say challenge. a competition. Yeah, we sort of fly in the face of a lot of... Um, and I'm not talking about all designers. There's, there's some great designers out there. Absolutely. We've been working with some great designers. But your typical lady who just decided to become a designer yeah, because the, she was bored being a housewife, uh, those people... Does that we sound, have, we have does that sound <laughs> sounds a little misogynistic, but that's not what, not what we're getting at. I don't mean it that way. It could be a guy, too. Yeah, hey, yeah, we know... <laughs> Oh, yes, we did. We have a sketch. I don't know if it's still yeah, no, hanging in no, the shop. I finally we, got, we got rid, rid of it. Do I got to talk to the lawyers again? <laughs> HR, HR. No, but it's just so we we kind of like a a, a a competition to them, and they don't like it. So a lot of designers say it's this is what I want. You build it this way, and that's it. So they will not look at any kind of alternatives, even though. The alternatives are probably a little bit better than what they want, but yeah, yeah, it's ego. We we, uh, we have ego too, but you know we still bend our rules around. We've shot some designs full of holes um, from some designers that have you know reached out to us, and um, it's not usually greeted with you know a positive response. Yeah, I think what Rich is you know. He's getting out. I mean, we talk about it a lot because it's a little bit of a sore point that we can't seem to develop relationships with, uh, you know, other peers from, you know, similar trades. And designers and architects would be perfect examples of that. Um, and honestly, it, it is a bit of, um, you know, almost a, a conflict because... We, we talked about this early on. You know, my background is actually in design. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we come to these jobs with an original concept in mind, not the concept we used three jobs back. Whereas most designers in, in the suburban market here, they're assembling photos from social media, Pinterest, Instagram, and just sort of combining something that's already there and then going to, all right, I know these cabinets are 24 inches, 36 inches, and then I'll just line them up. And we don't accept that at all. We actually push ourselves to come up with something distinctive every single job. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, oftentimes what happens is we... Uh, kind of show up to the client what they're paying somebody good money to do. Um, they're all they're, We haven't worked with a designer yet that doesn't just come through with a pencil on paper, and and we're doing you know three D proposals. Yeah, some of them, but ninety um, ninety nine percent of them. Yeah, um, and we also know how things work because we're the engineers on the job as well for you know our end of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think there is um, a clash of personalities and egos in a sense. And, and we're very easy to get along with. Mm -hmm. as, as brash and outspoken and, you know, sort of, um, I don't know. Uh, opinionated. Opinionated as we are. We're, we're very, very humble and easy to work with 
and people do love working with us once they've had the opportunity. Yeah. Um, we're all about working for the client. Uh, and that's that's the end result. Yeah. You can call me day or night. I'll, I'm going to hand out my phone number in a little while. So uh, <laughs> if you want to talk to me, Shoot yeah. him a text. just give me a call. You you angry ladies well, out you know there? What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to hear about this. <laughs> yeah, good luck the, touching any of that pension. Yeah. <laughs> The other part that that's interesting yeah. with designers is that they're used to working with uh, a person already that builds their so-called custom cabinets, and they know how much they can mark up, and they're yeah. not they're not willing to just go with somebody like us because our prices are a little bit higher, and they're not going to get the same cut as they would if they were going with. XYZ cabinet shop. Yeah. And the truth is they could sell what they've already exactly. been selling. There's no upside for most of the designers in their mind. They don't see the upside to, um, you know, expanding potential, expanding mm -hmm. quality and things like that. They're, they're comfortable in their routine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a lot of people in different trades that are, you know, it's the same thing. They work with the same five builders and everybody is just they churn it out yep they're on a on a hamster wheel um, we don't we could very easily be slammed in a big huge shop cranking out frameless kitchens if you know if we wanted to do that but i don't want to do yeah. that it yeah i mean we've made our choices and we're happy with yeah. them and i i think that's actually a pretty good segue to the last question yeah this is from our our real good buddy manny how important is mental health at work? <laughs> I mean, we laugh. We talk about it all. It's, I mean, it's part of our daily conversation, mm -hmm. not in a serious way always, although it's a serious topic that we, we give plenty of credence to. Um, it's one of the main reasons we're here doing what we do and how we do it and where we do it and why we do it. Um, as the questions sort of allude to, there's there's a lot that goes into trying to make a small custom shop like this work, function, and allow us to, to feed ourselves and our family and maybe, just maybe, have enough to, you know, lease a truck or something. Yeah, buy a nice new saw. <laughs> right, right. There, Plenty of compromises have to be made on some things but where we we don't compromise is in the quality of our life here in the shop because mm -hmm. uh, this is it that this is what it boils down to spending eight six ten twelve hours however many hours a day we are here together five to seven days a week this is this has got to be enjoyable it can't be a grind um because that's not how we want to go through life mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not to say that we don't have our issues at times. We do have. Of course. We still butt heads together a little bit, but it's not, it doesn't last. But that's it's, natural. It is, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, it I should was, happen. I was told a long time ago, if you don't like what you do, then quit your job and find something else that you love to do. Because your, your mental health is, is very important. The stress levels can kill you. Yeah. You can't, I mean, it's a cliche, but you can't buy happiness. So if you're not happy at work and you're going there just to make money, well, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Unless you got a pension. That's true. <laughs> I mean, sometimes people there, I'm, 
they don't, you know, it's always easy. The grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. And when people just see us sort of on a surface level, they can be quite envious. They come in. We have a small shop, but yeah, you guys got it made out here, right? It's it's. I mean, there's trees all around. There's windows on all four. It, the whole walls are windows on all four sides. It's air conditioned in the summer and dry and heated in the winter. We work in shorts and it's clean and we got mats all over the floors and um, a bucket full of pretzels, bag of peanuts. <laughs> Oh, bet you know what? I might have found the perfect pretzel. I'll That's, touch on that, that later on. That might be a whole podcast in and of itself. But we sacrifice so much for that. I mean, even our wives. I mean, they're they want to know when the next check's coming. You know, and because we don't make as much as we could if we were out there grinding it out, working for somebody else. Yeah. But or working in a different way. Yeah. At what price? I mean, we come home. We've worked a longer day. We're grouchy, so we're, we don't have the emotional availability. Uh, there's so there's all those. I don't know you were going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> see, no, but you see, know, my wife doesn't watch these. <laughs> it, it, it's not that we're not. It's not that we're not concerned with with work. Uh, we are. We do worry of about. Of course, we, are. we worry yeah. about the next job coming in, but it's not something that we can sit here and cry about. We have to do something about it. Yeah, that means either do something that's beneficial to the shop, or yeah. maybe it's beneficial for to a family member. We're very proactive. <laughs> I mean, that's for so sure. It, yeah. You just can't let it get you down, and, and it's easier said than done. I, I totally understand that. From me, coming from a gentleman whose wife's got a big fat pension, but no, in all seriousness, it's you really got to love what you're doing, uh, no matter what. Whether you're, you're shuffling, yeah. uh, shoveling horse manure, or uh, putting mail in a in a slot, or carrying mail around, or delivering packages, you, you got to love what you do. Yes, yeah. it, your life's too short. Believe me. And some days here we're running things through a sander or a planer or hand sanding for hours and hours and hours on end. So it's not like the work is always glorious. I mean, most of the time it's it's not at all. Yeah. But the process in and of itself and getting to work with each other, it's that's the reward because, um, you know, we pull for each other. We kid each other mercilessly. <laughs> Except we don't go get somebody ice cream when they they want. Yeah. Yeah. There is a line. There is a line. <laughs> Did you know it's Wednesday, two for one? Yeah, two for one in Carvel. Yeah. Is it just this one or all of them? I think it's a nationwide mm -hmm. thing. I might have yeah. to stop on the way home. Yeah. You know, I'm not bringing any in tomorrow. The, the Carvel ice cream sandwich has a cult-like uh, status here. Yeah, I haven't yeah. had one in I don't so need long. Them, and then, uh, Rob had one in his house the other flying saucer. Two weeks ago. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, this is this is really good. Yeah. And uh, they disappeared since then, just like UFOs. You guys do a lot of snacking. We do. <laughs> we do snack like a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but we're burning calories here. That's true. That's true. Not as much as we would hope, but yeah, I wanted to say that. Um, I mean, I know how <laughs> hard it can be to work in a job you do like and be in a poor environment. Mm -hmm. And how much that can have a toll on your mental health. Co-workers. Yeah, so it, it's not even necessarily what you're doing. It could be your surrounding and, and setting. 
um, who you're working with, all that. Yeah, one person, if they're in the, you know, the position that can influence your state of being at that job could really, really make you dread spending those eight hours at that place. Yeah. Um, or being undervalued or mistreated in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, don't go through your whole life working at a place that you just regret. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm up there in age. I know you can't tell, but I probably had reg- I had regrets from jobs that I kept kept that regrets. Yeah, I have got a, few. a few. I don't know that one. <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying. You you you, you look at yourself. You be 68 years old. You say, God, why didn't I just do the job or take that job I really love to do? Why did I just keep doing the same damn thing that I hate getting up for every morning and going to work? Yeah. Don't. Don't do it. Yeah. So Don't screw yourself over. Manny, here's the answer. How important is mental health at work? It's very important. Top very of the list. Yeah. Top of the list, I say. It is, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, would you would you say it's more important than salary? Well, yeah, as long you know, there's a there's a uh threshold there. As long as you're uh, got a roof over your head and you're eating and you can take care of yourself then pension. Then yeah. 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 Would you work a job you hate just to get a fat pension? You know what? Unfortunately, some people do. I yeah. know people that are in uh, working for these big uh, companies and they stay just to get a pension. Now they're going to stay there for another 20, 25 years just so they can get that pension. And they hate doing what they do. Yeah, pensions uh, are hard to come by these days too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, again, I, I can't stress the, the importance of of taking care of yourself because yeah if you pass away there's nobody else going to take care of the people that you love so you, you got to be taking care of yourself yeah yeah i'm I'd getting put it emotional up there. now <laughs> for clamped you can't take that money to the grave that's for no sure. you can't no i i would put it up at the top again yeah. you know you do have to be able to uh sustain yourself but i would definitely make sacrifices there and you know i'm 58 and i have to say that's pretty much uh how i've tried to live there and i've found myself in some unfortunate situations not just once twice three or four times and it does reinforce that idea um don't make those uh sacrifices if you can help it yeah stay healthy out there everybody yeah and don't forget sponsors we're still looking for you yeah. <laughs> any of those uh, Pfizer, any of the drug companies? Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, because yeah. I am looking to change my meds. I don't think they're working that, that well. Just saying. Well, that ends us. Uh, that ends the podcast today, but we have to end it with uh, our thoughts of the beer of the week. And since Jeff bought the beer, he goes last. Again, I'm an old school guy. <laughs> I thought you would I, like this one. I come from Jersey City. This beer is not that bad, though. You like it better than the first one I got? Yes, yes. It wasn't it, not hoppy at all. No. The coffee. I'm I'm not really a coffee drinker either. So. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. But uh, it tastes a little bit like coffee, and but it tastes like raspberries too. So it, it wasn't bad. Uh, I would drink it again if you were buying. That's positive. All right. I'm going to say the first couple of sips were better than the last couple of sips for me. Um, it's a little bit too taut. 
in a raspberry fruity sense. Hmm. Um, I do prefer something that's a little bit more bitter. Um, so that's probably why this kind of goes against the grain. It's sweet and fruity, um, almost like a in a wine kind of way. Um, I can taste some of the coffee notes, but the, the prevailing taste in that is raspberry. And that's why I would say that's a thumbs down for me. Okay. There's squirrels jumping off the roof. <laughs> um, I liked it when it was, you know, as it's warmed up, the coffee flavor has, uh, has come out a lot more yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, it's pretty heavily carbonated. Um, it's okay. It's kind of um, a novelty for me. I'd have there one. I, I wouldn't drink more than one, you know, at a time, I don't think. Uh, but good, you know, good flavor. I like Berliner Weiss beers, so. I think it's got to be super cold. Yeah. That's the whole problem with beers. You got to get something to keep it nice Guinness, and cold I mean, it doesn't have to be cold. Yeah. Like that. Certain beers you can drink room temperature. I can't do that. <laughs> Give me a cold Schaefer. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, we enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah no, it was good. It was. Yeah, we did enjoy it. Can't wait to see what Roberto picks for next week. You know me, I don't plan. Yeah, Peronis. Oh, yeah. Ooh, the Italiano. Which tastes just like gross and the <laughs> Okay, listen, we got to go. We got to get back to work. Uh, we're going oh, yeah, to get some work done. I got one thing. Oh, oh, yeah. One more thing to talk about. We were supposed to talk about the giveaway. Um, so we're going to be putting together uh, a giveaway. We just celebrated a one-year anniversary on Sunday, so we wanted to put something together. Uh, this is sort of aimed at people that are just getting into woodworking or have a little bit of woodworking experience but want to, um, you know, sort of further the hobby. Uh, so we're, we're getting some tools together that we've outgrown or upgraded from, um, stopped using. We're going to put together a little sort of kit uh, for somebody. Nice package, really, actually. Yeah, you got some, uh, so far, Stanley Sweetheart chisels. Uh, the quarter inch, excuse me, half inch, three quarter, one inch. We sharpened a, uh, them up last week too. Yeah, and uh, English made Stanley number four. Um, it's it's not super antique, but it's probably from I want to say the eighties. Uh, have some DMT diamond stones, Veritas Mark One honing jig. Um, we've been putting some other stuff together. We got to clean all this stuff up. Um, I'm not, we're not going to sharpen the chisels and the plane. Uh, we're just going to get them flat. And the bevel set, and you have the stone, so we're going to leave that up to you because that's a big part of of you know yeah. being a woodworker's learning well, but how to sharpen yourself. All, uh, they're not all no no the, they're going to be yeah. set up ready yeah. to go. They just need to be sharpened. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll tell you more about that. Uh, but you know, I said that we were going to announce it today, so I didn't want to leave everybody hanging. Is it going to be a Veritas uh, mini uh, square in there? No. There I might be a, there <laughs> might be some Veritas gear. Yeah, but we have to rummage around see what else. Uh, yeah. You know, depends. Uh, Does anybody use rifflers? <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. You're a fan of the riffler. Yeah. We we have uh, two camps here. Yes. Well, that's it for today. Uh, good luck with everybody. Send in those questions. Have yeah. a great weekend. Be well and, out there. Uh, like we'll us on Instagram. On subscribe week. on YouTube. Uh, leave a comment. And sponsors. Contact. Yeah, Contact. we're looking at you. Contact yeah. us. Must be the beer. I think it's the meds. 
must be the man. That's true. <laughs> See you next week. Ciao. Five, eight,